At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible. With a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. And we are rolling today. I can't believe who I got on the show today. I have no, uh, none other than Dr. Terrence Kosakar. Uh, I just said it wrong too, Kosakar. Did I get it right the second time, Terrence? I've been called worse, brother. <laughs> thanks for having me, brother. Well, thanks for being on. Um, Terrence is the founder of Camp My Way. And Terrence, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, brother. Now, we've had a nice chat uh, before I hit the magic record button. And I'd like uh, you to please introduce uh, what you used to do as a first responder and and your story. Okay. Well, I t- you know, I think we should take you back for a second because I know you had just suggested you had watched the video that talks about um, my first responder career. But what we need to understand is the story before that, that actually ultimately led to where we are today. So, you know, I grew up uh, <clears throat> like any other kid, you know, mom, pops, other than pops uh, came home uh, when I was five years old and burnt the house down when we were sleeping. Um, he was sentenced to life in Kingston Penitentiary. He did eight years there before he was transferred over to an institution for the criminally insane where he spent his whole life. So my childhood from five years old up was you know, pretty insecure. Where's your dad? Your thoughts, your emotions, I don't know how to manage them, how to describe them. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was tough for me to, to get in where I fit in. So at 15 years old, I actually uh, got jumped into a, a street gang. And within six months, I found myself on the run facing a manslaughter charge. I uh, was sentenced to three years in juvenile detention center and uh, was given the option either three years in juvie or a 42-day boot camp, wilderness boot camp. <laughs> I'm going camping. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good choice. Yeah, it was a good, well, so I thought, I, but I tell you, my first day at boot camp, I was the first kid, probably maybe the second kid, on my hands and knees, crying like a little bitch, taking me back to jail for three years. This sucks. Anyways, long story short, I spent the next 15 years working in organized crime from Los Angeles, Miami, Chicago to New York City. And back in 1999, I was pulled over in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, for running cocaine up the East Coast, and um, I got caught and sentenced to five years in a supermax federal prison. And it was while sitting in solitary confinement, I sat there, had to make a decision of, when I get up out of here, I think I'm going to join the other team. (laughs) because this isn't working for me anymore at all. So I got deported back to Canada 2001, 2002, and um, decided to become a firefighter. And it took a lot of years to uh, get my first aid tickets and some experience as a volunteer ski patroller, uh, paid-on-call firefighter, and ultimately uh, my career I landed as an emergency medical responder 
and I started a family, lived up in the mountains up in Whistler, British Columbia, and um, was the first responder, or uh, the uh, EMR, at the Whistler Sliding Center for the 2010 Winter Olympics. And fast forward through, because, you know, I could sit here for hours and hours and get into the nitty-gritty, but long story short, on opening day of the Vancouver 2010 Winter Olympics, there was a luge athlete. His... <coughs> Good job, you got her. His name is Nodar Kumrat Teshvili. Uh, he came down the track at 143 kilometers an hour, had an accident in corner 16, and um, exited the track and collided with a solid steel post and landed beside myself and two other of our team. We responded. We did what we had to do. We do what we do. It's just another day at the office. I mean, as horrific as it was, yes, but it's just what we do. Um, we pronounced him uh, an hour later at the polyclinic, and was I was totally not prepared for was what was going to happen next. You know, we spent we spent years training to serve and protect the public, help the people, but not a minute on how to manage our emotions or how to deal with the emotional impact when we can't save our patient's life or we've been responding to these life-threatening events day after day, year after year in our careers, starting from childhood long before we even get into the fire truck or we're issued a badge and a bulletproof vest and a gun, right? So over the course of the of the Olympics, I um, you know, it was crash after crash after crash, one crash after the next, compiling, compiling, and still every day showing up to work, putting on that freaking mask with that big smile. Because the public needs us. The Olympic athletes need us. So it's hey I'm okay. Bullshit. Right? Every single day, you know, hey, you did everything that you could. Hey, you know, we're here for you if you need to. Yeah, right. Listen, bud, in my mind at that time was, ha, you have no idea how I feel. Why the sounds, the screams, the tears, the bullet shells hitting the ground? The prison doors, why all this is coming back into my mind, and not only the visions of a lifetime of living through very many traumatic events, but all the emotions that came with ever since my childhood. So over all the years, everything that we face, there's an emotional attachment to each one of those events that gets stored. And now, after this accident at the Olympics, every single emotion, every single event comes back at once. Every breath you take, every time you try to turn a corner or distract yourself, buddy, let me tell you something. What the fuck is going on with me? An hour after the Olympics, I tried to die by suicide. And at that point, you know, you just reach that point where you just have enough just want to turn the switch, the voice, the sounds, the screams, the tears off. Went to see my doctor four days later. My family took me and said, what the fuck is wrong with you? Doctor said, hmm, yeah, I think you have PTSD. 
I said, what the, honestly, my straight up words, Mark, what the fuck is PTSD? Yeah, what the hell are you talking about there, Doc? And he says, well, you know, you're going to need to see a psychologist to get your diagnosis. She comes up here to Whistler in the next two months. I'll refer you. But in the meantime, his horns grew, tail came out of his ass as he licked his tip of his pen and started writing prescriptions. Oh, shit. <laughs> or, or I like to call them receipts. Opiates, antipsychotics, sleep, okay? So very long story short, brother, over the next five years, lost my career as an emergency medical responder, quit working at the fire hall, quit volunteer ski patrolling, lost my family of 13 years, three more attempted suicides, in and out of every treatment center, tried every single medication, therapist, counselor, you name it. Ultimately, after the system sucked every penny out of my life and took everything that I had lived for, I found myself roaming the downtown streets, homeless, banging heroin, snorting crystal meth, and smoking crack cocaine, buddy. How long were you on the streets? One day too many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I didn't know at the time, which I know now today, every single event since childhood, whether it be prison, gang banging, first responder, the lose accident, being handed these receipts, losing my family, those were my greatest gifts the universe could have ever given me. And I spend an hour a day today in the morning, an hour every evening expressing gratitude, true, genuine gratitude. Grateful for each one of those events because what we've learned about ourselves, digging ourselves up out the grave, and what we're capable of and why these things have happened brings us all to where we are today. That's true. And we were talking earlier about the power of story. And I would submit to you, Terrence, that the people that are listening to your story right now, it helps them relate in, in one of a few ways. Either it's like, oh, geez, that's almost as bad as, as my story or almost as rough as my story. And others are like, holy crap, that's way rougher than my story and, and everything in between. But it lets people know that they are not alone. I had a, uh, a veteran friend on the show. I ended up d accidentally deleting the audio, so we have to do it again. He's in rehab right now. Um, so when he gets out in Easter, uh, we'll have him on the show. But um, he left the military after three years. He did one tour, had a very traumatic uh, childhood as well, and ended up uh, being a Walter White-level drug dealer kind of deal. Um, I don't know what type of drugs. We never really got into the details because it didn't really matter to me. But uh, he, he was running a gang in Vancouver Island and uh, was the big kahuna for a while and uh, has now gone legit, owns a bunch of pita pits, or at least he did, and um, uh, is now living, though, because the drug dealing turned into drug using and it ruined his heart. Uh, yeah. so, so he actually has a mechanical heart for the last couple of years. He walks around with a, with a bag around his neck and that's his heart. Wow. So, and, uh, <laughs> but he's still going smile on his face. And, wow. 
you know, hell of a thing. Good job. Good job. You know, I think, you know, you know, I, I look forward to meeting this man. What's his name? Uh, Paul Bangma. Yeah, Paul. I look forward to meeting Paul. I, I really do. He's, he's, like he's a, a very uh, interesting you know, dude. Very interesting dude. You know, we, we, and, and I tell you, you know, we all have a great story, whether it's, it's, it's your gang bang. And, you know, I was, oh, you know, I was also a prostitute, a crystal meth addict for, for, for 15 years of those times. So it's, we all have our story. The question is, what the fuck are we going to do with it? Mm-hmm. We could spend all these time pointing fingers and you owe me and well, my daddy burnt the house down and my dad. Okay. Well, okay. What are you going to do about it? That can actually bring more positive solutions to the future of humanity and what can we do to prevent other people from never having to endure such a story because you know as well as I do Mark that for each one of us who are able to share our story today which is definitely in the minority it's extremely difficult to do and uh, I, I don't know what the numbers are but I bet you it's something like one in 500 of us are willing to share to truly share our story with honesty and candor well, not only one in 500 that are, you know, of the people who are still alive is what I'm getting at. Yes. What about the other 99% who are six feet deep right now and the other percentage who are just putting on that damn mask every day going, fuck, uh, you know, I, I have to keep my mouth shut because my job, my career, my pension, my insurance, my wife, my kids, my reputation, oh, but my bros, Right. So how, and, and now we look at society at a whole. We look at every single human, not only in our country, but around the world. Because let's put it this way. I don't care if you're a first responder or a veteran or you're a lawyer or a doctor. At the end of the day, stripped naked, we're a human being no matter who's paying the damn checks or, or the paying the bills or giving us a paycheck. Now let's take a look at the truth and the reality behind all of this. What's where does the problem stem from? Where and how can we fix that? Storytelling, hey, that's great. We all okay, that's great. What are we gonna do today well, to plant that, a seed in the ground for the people a hundred years from now? Education. Which is, which is a good uh, segue for Camp My Way. So if you could share with us, please, uh, when Camp My Way started, what it is, and, and what the mission is. Camp My Way. Well, it started when I actually came off the downtown east side. I escaped the cage, society, the city. And I came up here to my cabin up in the backcountry here. I have a summer cabin here, but it was wintertime. Now, what do we need first, Mark? You come up in the damn mountains in December. What's the first thing that you need? Now, keep in mind, you've been on a heroin crystal meth tear for five years. And you come up in the middle of the mountains. What's the first thing that you need? You wake up and you're... What do you need? You need wood. You need fuel. Boom. Nice. need fuel. Well, do you think the magic wood fairy is going to just drop that at your front door? Yeah, uh, firewood is, uh, it gets to warm you twice. (laughs) Let's talk animal instincts. Let's go back to the basics. Caveman, get your ass out and get your own freaking firewood. That's work in itself. And that's what I did. Do you need to go get another coffee? No, no, I'm good. (laughs) I just saw it it was empty. I had a little little pout. Hmm. 
It's all right. It's all right. I'll get it later. <laughs> you're, you're bang on. It's go get some damn firewood, get some heat. And just that in itself, to take yourself from your position that you're in to go get wood is grueling. One foot in front of the next. It's not like you just, oh, there's some wood. I'm going to go get a start a fire. It's just not that easy. Who even in this world today knows how to do that? Less and it's less like every it. year. What's that? It's yeah, right. few, fewer and fewer every year. Can't change a tire. Can't uh, yeah, yeah. can't split a log. Yeah, we've been we've been <clears throat> we've been well we're, we're, we're well programmed. So yes, went chopped some firewood and hope you paid your carbon tax on that firewood. <laughs> <laughs> well. Went out to get some firewood. I was up on the side of the High Line Road right here across the across. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm following an old dead tree. Ah, chainsaw head. I turn around, turn my saw off, put it down. I turn around, and there's a native man sitting there on his ATV with the big 30 on six across the front, all fatigues. I'm like, oh, here's white boy, you know, just falling trees like they're mine off his land. But I thought he's gonna scalp me and have me for dinner. He says, how's it going? I said, well, brother, hey, I just I gave him my story. He says, why don't you come over my property? Have all the wood that you need, and it's a lot more safe there. It's the first time a complete stranger has offered me something without what can I get from this guy? What can I do? How much do you got your tax paid? You got a permit? No. It's, hey, here's another man in need. Here's a hungry man in need. Spent the next couple days bucking wood at, uh, at his property. Got them over to my house here. I'm splitting firewood. About three, four days later, I turn around. Magically, there he is again. How's it going? I'm starving. Actually, brother. He just looked at me and said, let's go fishing. So we went fishing. He took me to over to Anderson. Actually, I was just over there yesterday fishing. Took me to the took me to a spot. He caught two fish and gave them to me. This act of compassion, this selfless giving to the next man is what gave me the hope and everything, gave me the meal that I needed, some heat. Just the, just the bare necessities for human survival. And went out. I'm not going to give you the tire flipping story right now because that's a good that's a good 45 minute story. It's a beauty. But uh, after 30 days, actually, you know what? It kind of does. How much time? What do you got for time? Well, we're at uh, the 18 minute mark so far. Shit. <laughs> you got to go. Uh, hang on just a second. We'll hit pause here. All right. Nope. Okay, we're rolling. Rolling super. So after uh, probably five six days, I'm out at the river. I'm down there fishing. And let me ask you this, Mark: You ever watch um, the UFC? I do. Do you know George St. Pierre and Matt Hughes? That big title fight many of years ago. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Well, I remember back in 2012, I was watching how Matt Hughes trained, or I think it was GSP for that fight, and they were. One of them was flipping this big, huge tractor tire up a mountain. And I was like, well, I remember back in those days I saw that. So 
So I'm out the river fishing here, and I see this big, huge freaking tractor tire covered in all grass. It's been there 20, 30, 40, who knows how many years. <laughs> and, I, and I had this flashback of that um, Matt Hughes flipping a tire up the mountains. And I, and I thought, you know what? If I want my life back, if I want to be the motherfucking boss and the champion, I'm going to have to flip that tire just like Matt Hughes did all over these mountains. And I'm, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I got all excited, put my fishing pole down. I'm going to flip that tire and I'm going to come back to civilization one day and show all those people who slammed the door in my face, put a knife in my back. I'm going to show them who's the boss. Cleaned out the tire got up underneath it, went to lift it up just like Matt Hughes all like strong as hell. I flipped it over and I, oh, oh, yeah, nope, <laughs> I'm not no Matt Hughes, <laughs> I'm, not no I'm not no champion, I'm not the boss, I'm just this uh, drug addict bitch with this little story and I love my family and I played the, I talked myself out of it, went back the next day, tried again. Flipped it two, three times, gave up, went back the next day again and again and again. And on my fifth, sixth day, I'm sitting out there and I just took the time to fucking breathe. Be grateful. What am I fucking, I'm grateful I'm alive today. I actually feel the wind on my face. I can hear the birds chirping. I get back up, flip the tire a little bit more. I start forgiving myself and others. Give me the strength. And I flip the tire a little bit more long, story short, over the next 30 days. I found myself out there 18 hours a day, flipping that tire a kilometer a day. Wow. Never felt better in my freaking life. I lived time out of mind. Without a penny to my name, I was fishing for my food, and I was putting in the work. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen for free. You gotta, you gotta pay, some, pay now or pay later. You gotta do the work. But you know, Santa Claus ain't coming down the chimney. No, he is not. My damn life back, buddy. And uh, as I was doing the, and I did this unconsciously. I only told me to do this. Is just out there doing it. Mm -hmm. After thirty days, I thought, you know, why didn't? Any of those psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, why didn't any of them suggest getting up into the mountains, get away from all this, breathe, mindfulness, gratitude? No. Well, you know what? I got two extra rooms in my cabin. I'm going to open those doors for two other first responders who are struggling the same way I, I was before they actually do end their lives. That was the goal, and that's how Camp My Way started. And I spent the next six and a half months busting my freaking ass, gathering up old used canoes, broken paddles, no life jackets, backpacks, food bank, going to the grocery store, hey, can you donate you know, some rice for this camp I want to get started? And six months later, we ran phase one of Camp My Way in 2015, and we had 16 people come up that first year. That's fantastic. And here we are. Here, thank you, sir. We, here we are five years later now and we are um, on our we're now a non-profit society and uh, we still yet to raise a single penny 
It's all about the connection with the communities and all of our amazing sponsors who help donate either backpacks, food, you name it. Everything here is run by the um, generosity from our community. And the best part is, is we flip that tire probably up. We flipped it up. Actually, I'll just back up a second here because this is a really good turning point here. After we ran that camp, Mark, that first camp in 2016, I thought to myself, wait a minute, nobody's going to come to this camp because nobody knows what the fuck PTSD is. I kind of put the cart before the horse and I thought, well, we need to raise awareness. We need to raise awareness to post-traumatic stress and let the people know what the hell is going on. So on February the 12th, 2016, which is which was six years to the day that Nodar Kumrat really was killed, we ran a program called Breaking the Chains BC. And I took that tractor tire, myself and my friend Fabian, he had his own tire, and my little bulldog meathead had his own tire, and we flipped that tire 37 kilometers in 30 days across seven mountains while shackled in 60 pounds of solid steel chains to bring awareness to post-traumatic stress, mental health, and in memory of the athlete who was killed. And I know you got time of ticking. I'll jump on to the next year. We ran It's Not Weak to Speak and flipped that tire up Blackcomb Mountain to the glacier. Holy and smokes. Here, and here we are this year again on our fourth annual. This year's event is called Tired of the Stigma. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Glacier Expedition. We're gonna we're we're, we're linked up with uh, Surrey Fire Rescue, BC Search and Rescue, BC Paramedics. The list is massive. I've sent you the documents, and they're gonna help us flip that tire up the Brandywine Glacier for thirty days. For thirty days. For thirty days. But keep in mind, we're also living up on that glacier, up on the mountains, the Camp My Way lifestyle. So we follow our Camp My Way pro, uh, program, which is waking up in the morning, no talking until after breakfast. We sit with self, breathe, sip on your coffee, take in the fresh air, the mountains, express gratitude, be in the moment, be present, no sell your devices, no, not allow that kind of stuff, right? And we work together. There's no talking about the past. It's all about being in the now. So, so if you, uh, we could close with, um, the power of mindfulness. You've mentioned the term a few times and I tell you, um, uh, I've been getting panic attacks the last few years, which is not, which is a new symptom actually. Interesting. But I know that mindfulness has been very, very helpful with, uh, for myself to get through those panic attacks. So for yourself, what would you say the power, what is mindfulness and what's the power of it? Well, it's the power of positive thinking is what it all comes down to. So if we're sitting at home and we start having maybe a panic, well, you have to ask yourself this, why the panic attack? And what kind of work did you put in since the second you woke up to prevent the panic attack? So what kind of natural tools are you using from the second you wake up to manage that panic attack? And I'll tell you something right now, Mark, let's do this. I'm gonna give you that tool, not only give it, we're going to use it together because I also endured my entire life these panic attacks, the anxiety, the stress, the night, all the shit. <coughs> and I think if anything, you could cut my first 15 minutes of my stupid story out and share this part of it. 
because this is the most important thing that all humans can do to manage and prevent the panic attack, the depression, the anxiety, all the shit. Okay? So let me ask you a question. Mark wakes up this morning. First thing, what'd you do? Check my phone. <laughs> okay, welcome to walk. Now you're walking towards the depths of the devil's belly right there. Yeah. See, I'd like to lie to you and say, well, the first thing I did, it was 30 push-ups. But uh, that's just not the truth. Well, let's not even call your phone a phone. When you look at it next time, call it the weapon of mass destruction. Let's just call it what it is, okay? So, first of all, the damn thing don't need to be in your room. Put it in a freaking drawer or somewhere in the kitchen or even just go flush it down the damn toilet. (laughs) Take it straight up. Okay, so... Uh, not going to say that's wrong. I'm going to say this is what I suggest that you do tomorrow morning. All okay? right. I'm listening. Well, I need you to kick back. Pretend you're in bed. And we're both going to do this together. And everybody who's listening, just lay back with your headphones on, whatever you're doing, just lay back for a second and let's pretend you're sleeping. Unless you're driving right now, in which case, please wait. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're driving, you can also do this exercise also. Just keep your eyes open, please. (laughs) So you wake up. First thing, smile. Just fucking smile. And we're going to do a pre-flight checklist. We're going to do a body scan. We're going to control the physical and check in with self. You've been to the airport? I have. Oh, you've seen where the captain always walks around his plane Mm -hmm. before takeoff? Why? Pre-flight checklist. Buddy. Okay, so why are we... So let's be the plane and let's be the captain before takeoff. Let's set that fucking pace for the day. And it starts right now. So we'll set the pace. Let's check in with self. Actually, in your mind, in the morning, wiggle your toes. Say, okay, toes, wiggle. Start wiggling Actually do it. Are you doing it? I am. Good job. Now roll your ankles. Rolling. You're yawning. You're like, oh, I wonder how many Facebook likes I got this morning. What am I getting? (laughs) Oh, yeah, you know, like, fuck this ankle rolling. I'm fine. This is where you begin to battle the mind, the enemy, who's trying to tell you something else is more important than you. Self-care. This is where you start saying, hey, fuck off. Checking in with myself right now. Now, flex your calves. <sighs> Bend your left knee. And acknowledge it. What is my knee? What's the purpose of my knee? While you're walking through your body, feel yourself. Acknowledge yourself. Right knee, bend it. Ah. You find pain. Right? Why? You stop right there. You found a problem. Okay, well, okay, right, you know, yesterday I bumped into the grocery cart at the store, and that's, do I need a doctor right now, or a hospital, or a psychologist? No, I'm going to be okay. Flex your quads. Roll your pelvis. Yeah. Tighten your core. And your mind is like, man, I got shit to do. I got to go. Like, I got to piss. I got to make my car. Stop right there, rolling your shoulders, bend your elbows, acknowledging, okay, my elbows, marking up, bending your elbows, good job, 
Nice. Yep. Rolling wrists. Fingers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Right? You got all your fingers are there. Super. Now we've checked in with self. <laughs> Body scan. I'm safe. You need some fisherman's friends, bro. I do. I do. I'm safe. I'm okay other than my knee. Good job. Now, we, now we're like, I got to go. Uh-uh. Now it's time to manage the mind. We've left one major muscle, the mind. So how do we check? How do we how do we self-check the freaking mind, Mark? How do we begin? Well, it's easy. Well, we're gonna do it together. You ready? Oh, blow your nose. Go ahead. No, I'm good to go. Uh, as for, for for the listeners, uh, uh, right now we're on Skype, so he can see me, I can see him. But uh, this is actually a it's a, it's all audio. So any of the visual references, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, don't apologize. It is what it is. They love to see it. <laughs> well, nobody, you know, so, all right, let's do it. Now the mind. Now you're laying in bed. We're going to do this. We're going to take a five second breath in our nose and a five second breath out of our mouth. And we're going to do it five times. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. And I tell you, every morning, even you know, like this morning, I have to use my fingers or I lose count. I, you know, I left school in grade eight. My mind hasn't been programmed so good. Like, so I'm using my fingers. And if you're polydactyl and you have an extra finger, just, just go with it. Go with it. You ready? And we're going to take a five-second breath in our nose. And two, four, five. Five seconds breath out of your mouth, Mark. Five. Five seconds in. You know what? I don't have time for this. I got to go. It's late. I'm late for work. I got my boss. My wife is calling. My kids are crying. My thing. This is where, at usually, the second or third set of breaths for me, even still today, is like, I got all this other shit to do. I don't have time for these fucking breaths. <laughs> Fuck this. Well, guess who'd won? Yeah. The enemy. Because there's nothing more important than you. We seem to think that the kids, the wife, the job, the dog, the shit on the floor is more important. No. We need to begin to repave the neurological pathway. So, once that voice comes in, once those thoughts of everything else that you're supposed to be doing because you're late, start over. So, since we fucked up right there, we'll start over. And let me tell you, this morning, and I've been doing this every day for five years, I had to start over twice. <laughs> no, I did, because yeah. I'm not going to trick myself and convince myself that I'm fucking perfect. The mind is the mind, and it's going to do what it wants to do. But we have to do what we can do to begin to control it and manage it and prevent Mark's panic attack from coming back. So, ready? And five seconds in. And five seconds breath out. Five seconds breath in. Five seconds breath out.
Five seconds in. Five Now, you have just set the pace for your day. By controlling the mind, checking in with the body, everything's okay, all right? The best part, this is the, this is the happy ending. This is, this is what we all came for, this part right now. You, you put your feet on the ground and you get on with your day. And within the first hour, Two hours, maybe that afternoon, the guy in front of you is driving the speed limit. Somebody's pissed you off. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling stressed, motherfucking angry. Your wife's cheating on you. Holy shit, the boss is going to fire you. Emails are piling up. The mind starts going crazy. You start feeling that anxiety, that panic coming in your chest. You know what I'm talking about. That's your comes. The second it comes... The second you start to feel it, you shouldn't have to think about what we're going to do. You should be in an immediate response. Pull the car over. Leave the office. Leave whatever situation, whatever the hell. Stop what you're doing when you feel that. Go sit down and do your body scan again. Wiggle your freaking toes. Roll your ankles. Find the problem. Okay, my knee's still strong, my quads, my hips. So, okay, wait a minute. It's not physical, must be mental. Do your five-by-fives now. And while you're taking your five seconds in, nine times out of ten, you might not even be able to take a full five-second breath. There's problem number one. Keep going till you can take that five-second breath in. And then the mind will start going, well, my wife, my job, my car, my... Start over, start over, start over, start over, until you can do your five seconds in, five seconds out, five times. Which is and really it, only about a minute. Like, it's not a, it's not a big chunk oh, of the day. It's only a minute oh, if you do it, but you got to do it. You've got to do it. Now, if you're never going to do this later on in the day, when you're getting your panic attack or you're stressed or you want to get your gun and go shoot somebody, you're never going to stop yourself unless you start in the morning by repaving that neurological pathway by the self-care before you get out of bed. No, absolutely. And I just wanted to add uh, as well, Terrence, for, for the listeners, this is not woo-woo. This is actually clinically proven to be very, very effective. Um, and more effective than medications, actually, in some cases. Although, in some cases, you need meds, at least for a short term. But uh, exercises like this are clinically proven to be effective. And all kinds of people with all kinds of PhDs are saying so, including Terrence. 
Kozakar. Thank you, brother. You know what? I'm I'm just a regular guy. Whether we got, got a PhD or the life, we have a lived experience, and you know, humans today, we don't need to be going like, well, oh, the psychologist said so, or the doctor said so, or we got these data. Just do it your damn self. Just 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 experience the benefits and the value yourself. Put yourself through a 30-day test of just doing five minutes every morning for your damn self. And in 30 days from now, check back in with self and see how your life is going by the power of positive thinking. Yeah, so I'd, let's go. Right? I'd, like, I'd like to chime in because we do have to wrap up. But go ahead. For the listeners, recovery from PTSD is an activity, not an event. Recovery is an activity, not an event. You have to put in the work. You've got to keep your foot, your feet moving. It's an activity, if not I, an event. Yeah, so I, if I can just add, yes, please. PTSD. If I can just add, PTSD is actually just a freaking another receipt. It's a label, and is the most disrespectful, dishonorable thing that any medical doctor could ever put on anybody. It's nonsense. It's hogwash. You would ask uh, another podcast with you and explain another. I'll give well, you we'll have to do that minutes. on another one, but um, yeah, we will. I, I've said on several of the shows, and as a reminder, PTSD, or uh, if you got it in the, during your time at work, an OSI, operational stress injury, or whatever you want to call it, is in fact an injury, not an illness, not a weakness. And if you think that getting PTSD means that you're mentally weak, then you're kind of a douchebag. Because it's not about mental weakness, it's, it's an injury. Uh, if you got your legs sheared off by a landmine, you don't go, oh, geez, I must have weak shins, I must be a weak person. Uh, no, it doesn't matter who you are, nobody is uh, completely resilient to it. Now, the exercises that we're talking about, the daily routines, they will help you be more resilient. And as well, if you're thinking, if you're a younger person and you're thinking about getting into a first responder or military high stress sort of work, have to ask yourself, do you have a trauma filled childhood? Because if so, you're going to be doing yourself some pretty big favors to deal with that first. Because as Terrence has found out there, the trauma cup is finite and it doesn't matter where it came from. It is all cumulative and it fills up the trauma cup from your childhood. Uh, and for one reason or another, those with traumatic childhoods I have found tend to gravitate towards being a first responder or military and other high risk, high adrenaline professions. So if you go in, but you don't got your childhood stuff sorted out, uh, you are going to be much less resilient to injury. Uh, but when injury happens, if it's already past that point, the sooner you get on it, the better. If you don't get on it soon, like I was undiagnosed for 22 years, the longer it gets, time does not heal all wounds, quite the opposite. Uh, those wounds mastize and get worse and the symptoms that come with them get worse. So the earlier you can get on it, the better. And that is it. Terrence Kosakar, thank you so much for being on the show, for sharing your story. And uh, I'm always happy when... Pr actual practical tools are shared on Operation Tango Romeo. So thank you, Terrence. Hey, did you already hit the end button? Because I'm going to add one more thing. Okay, no, I was just about to. Before. Okay, here's okay, your, here's your closer. Don't end it, brother. Last, the last Okay, word. last thing, then I'll and wrap it. Is, 
this is just <clears throat> my uh, opinion. Okay. Is that it's, it's not an operational stress injury either. This is a natural response to any life-threatening event. Mm-hmm. How any medical field or, or any of these people who think it's medically possible to diagnose energy trapped in the nervous system and our response emotionally to our, these events, this isn't a medical problem. This is humans in general. If you're feeling depressed, anxious, all these things, guess what? That's a good thing. It means you're human and your plan B for the biological process to move that energy is working just fine. And if you think that you need to go get some help or whatnot, hey, give us a call, drop me an email. I'm happy to take the time that we need to speak further about this. All right. Terrence Kosakar, thank you so much for being on Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible. With a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. (laughs) 